Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I'm especially thankful to God today for being the reliable constant in a world of variables that are ever-changing, inconsistent, and uncertain. I'm thankful to God for being consistently trustworthy, for being consistently faithful, even when we are not. I don't know about you, but that is what I'm especially thankful for today. Now, welcome back to Gospel Conversations with Jermaine, where the gospel takes center stage. Thank you for taking the time, as always, to study with me. I also want to thank you for the comments and the feedback. Keep them coming. I'm grateful. God bless you. Now, before we go any further, first thing, grab a Bible, please. I have the New King James Version of the Bible with me. I'll be reading out of that today. Please get one so you can look into it for yourself. Now let's pray. Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you continue to open the eyes of our understanding to launch us into the depth of your word. As we dig, O oh God, by the grace that you've given us, we pray that the truth will come to the surface. Give us the enablement to pick up those precious things in your word, O oh God, that we need to know so that we can do what is expected of us, run and finish the race that is set before us. In the name of Jesus, we've prayed. Amen and amen. If you're taking notes, this is the cross of Christ, part two. The cross of Christ, part two. And we're building upon the foundation we laid. We had three sessions of what we titled Power to Save before moving on to the cross of Christ. I'll encourage you at this point, just so that we be on the same page, please make the time to listen to those so that you can completely follow everything that we talk about moving forward. Now let's read Romans chapter 1 verse 16. We've read it a couple of times on this platform, but we'll continue to do so because I think it is really important to know. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. So at this point, I'd like to remind us the truth that we've been able to establish so far. First of all, the gospel is the power of God that makes the way of escape. And Christ is the way of escape. Christ is the topic, the subject, the object of the gospel. And he is the way of escape. But as we learned prior to that, the gospel is the power of God that breaks open that bondage of unrighteousness and ungodliness. It breaks open that thing that held us captive so that in Christ we become the righteousness of God and thereby escape the wrath of God. For those who might have missed the previous sessions, I'll use this opportunity to repeat this. God is righteous. He is not about to spare any unrighteous or ungodly person. The wrath of God will come upon the unrighteous and the ungodly. That's certain. Now, God himself, because of the great love with which he loved us, has released, made available to us a way, the way of escape 
And the Bible tells us that the gospel, let's read that again, verse 16 of Romans 1. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for this gospel is the power of God that saves. And how does the power of God save? In Christ Jesus, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So God is not being unrighteous in forgiving us. He's not being unrighteous. He's not just shoving unrighteousness under a rug. In Christ Jesus, we become the righteousness of God. And therefore, it will no longer be righteous of God to condemn us. Hallelujah. If for nothing else, that is what is good about the news. And today we'll be building upon that. This is the cross of Christ, part two, the necessity of the cross. Why is the cross necessary? And this is the first part of it. We'll very likely continue in the next session. But let's read Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Romans 10, 9. As I take a few seconds to open up, I hope you're doing likewise. So let me read. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So previously, what we just read in Romans chapter 1, verse 9, Bible tells us that the gospel is a power of God that saves everyone who believes, right? So what exactly are you supposed to believe in order to be saved, in order to escape the wrath of God, in order to become righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? What exactly are you supposed to believe? Romans 10, 9 tells us, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that's the first part. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you confess that Jesus is the Savior, he is the anointed one, he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, then you have checked that first box. And he says, not only do you believe that you're supposed to confess that, right? And the second part that we're talking about today, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Hmm. So it's not enough to believe that Jesus is the Christ. We also have to believe that God raised him from the dead. That means the resurrection is also at the very center of this. Believing in the resurrection. Now, if he was raised from the dead, he must have died. And the question that we begin to ask today is why? Why did it have to happen that way? And why is it necessary for me to believe that to be saved? Well, first and foremost, Bible tells us very clearly that if you believe that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if for nothing else, God who has provided the way of escape says that that is what it takes to be saved. Today we'll be dwelling on Romans chapter 4. So you can just open up to Romans chapter 4 as I continue to talk about this. We'll read a couple of verses. We'll break it into two parts, actually. But we're beginning to answer that question of why. Now we know what we're supposed to believe. The question is, how is that connected to our salvation? How is the death or the resurrection of Christ connected to our being saved, to our escaping the wrath of God, escaping unrighteousness and ungodliness? And as we put these pieces together, we'll see how the picture forms fully 
for those who've been with me from the onset, I believe very strongly that you already have a very good image in mind. Now, Romans chapter four, let's first of all read 20 to 22 before we continue. Romans chapter four from verse 20, talking about Abraham. Bible says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Praise God. I believe if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, this is one of those scriptures you might have heard already. But let's look into it. Bible says again concerning Abraham, verse 20 that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. In other words, God gave him a promise and he did not permit unbelief to taint his strong conviction, believe in what God had told him. We know God promised him a son and he was very old. God promised he would have a son, he would have an heir, and there were promises attached to that, but we're not looking at that today. We're just looking at the fact that God gave him a promise and he did not waver. It's very important to know that he had a lot of reasons to waver. If we take a look at his age, among other things that he could have looked at, like the age of Sarah and all of that, he, he had reasons to doubt. The Bible tells, tells us that he did not waver. He did not waver through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So somehow he found strength to believe what God said regardless. Verse 21, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Do you see that? So he believed the promise. In our case, what is the promise exactly that we're supposed to believe? Remember the context of what we're talking about. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, if you believe that God raised him from the dead and you make that confession, you will be saved. But first you have to believe it. God has given us the promise, the way of escape. He says, if you are to escape my wrath that is coming upon mankind because of our ungodliness and unrighteousness, you have to become righteous. And the only way to escape is what I'm providing you, the power of the gospel. And Christ happens to be the essence, the very essence of the gospel. Now, I'm bringing that in correlation to Abraham because of, you'll see how Paul himself ties the two together. But so far, he's talking about a promise. We also have a promise when it comes to salvation. He has promised us it is in Christ Jesus that we have salvation if we believe. And look at the, the, the belief that Abraham had. Verse 21 again of, of Romans chapter 4. Being fully convinced. I like that. Fully trusting God, fully convinced, no doubt, no unbelief, no space for any doubt or unbelief. Fully convinced, the conviction was full, that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now let's also consider it. That means Abraham made a consideration. He thought about it. Is God able to do what he's telling me? And his answer was yes. So we also have to do the same thing. 
Is God able to make us righteous? Is he able to make provision for righteousness? Is he able, willing, able to spare us the wrath that is coming? If your answer to that is yes, then you can believe his promise. If it is no, then you have to go back to the drawing board. Because remember, if there is no other way for us to be saved, and you do not step into Christ to escape the wrath of God, then you're already checking yourself out. Again, fully convinced. Remember what we read at the beginning of this session, Romans 1, 16, and I keep repeating that to all those who believe, who believe, those are the people who will be saved. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for those who believe. So for salvation to be made manifest in your life, you have to believe. And believe what? We've looked at that today. Not just that Jesus is Christ, but that he rose again. Now is God able? Because the belief is not just something superficial. The belief is what Abraham manifested according to what Paul wrote in Romans 4.21. And I'll read it one, one more time. Being fully convinced. Fully convinced. If there is any doubt, go check it. If there is any unbelief, go check it. Because we're supposed to fully believe. We're supposed to be fully convinced and convicted. Not just that God is able but that he has promised and he will do it. Or in our case, he has done it because Jesus is already dead and he's already risen from the dead because that's part of what we're supposed to believe. Now verse 22 of Romans 4. And therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Hallelujah. So why was Abraham declared righteous? Why was righteousness imputed upon him? Because of his strong conviction in what God had promised him. Do you see the direct correlation between him and us? God says, if we believe and confess that Jesus is the Christ and also that he rose again from the dead, of course, we still have to visit the topic of why, the, the, the significance of his resurrection and the significance of his death. But pending that, let's look at this. Abraham believed and God tagged him, you are righteous. And he tells us exactly the same thing. Romans 10, 9 that we read previously. If you believe and confess, you will be saved. And remember, what is salvation? Salvation is becoming the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and therefore escaping the wrath of God. So we're being saved by believing. Can you imagine that? It sounds very simple, but it's very deep. Again. Fully convinced. Verse 23 to 25. And then we'll wrap this up today. Forgive me for being super excited. This is very good news. Romans chapter 4 from 23 to 25. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Hallelujah. Who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Amen. I love the way the Holy Spirit leads. You would think 
There was no essence anymore for the verse 24 because just reading into what Paul had written previously, we already came to that conclusion. But let's do it again. Verse 23, first of all. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. So it was not just an account to say, oh, wow, Abraham was righteous. Abraham was accorded righteousness. Abraham received the imputation of righteousness. So righteousness was placed upon him. He was clothed with righteousness. God declared him righteous. It was not just for his sake, 24, but also for us. And who is the us? Is it everybody? No. He says, it shall be imputed. What shall be imputed? Righteousness. 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 The righteousness of God. That is the way of escape from condemnation. That righteousness shall also be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Exactly the same thing again. It is believing in the provision of God because it came as a promise. Remember, in the previous episode, we said that the gospel, according to Romans chapter 1 from verse 1 to 3 at least, it tells us that the gospel is not a new thing. The gospel is a promise of old that was given and written by the prophets of old. It was only manifested in Jesus' time, but it was a promise of old. So if we believe in that promise, fully convinced as Abraham was fully convinced, that is what it takes for righteousness to be imputed upon us also. And he gives us this hint as to why that works, as to why that is God's equation. Verse 25, who was delivered up because of our offenses? Let's back up. Verse 24, who is the who who was delivered? Who is he talking about? Is it Abraham? Is it God? Is it us? Who is he talking about? Now let's read verse 24 into 25. But also for us, it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. Comma. So that sentence continues. Jesus was raised from the dead, right? Who was delivered up? So first and foremost, Jesus was delivered up. What was he delivered up to? He was delivered up to the cross. He was delivered up to be beaten, to be spat upon, to be crucified. He was delivered up. Why? Because of our offenses. Jesus was delivered up. Because of our offenses over the past couple of sessions, I believe that we have an understanding as to what those offenses are. We can sum them up in ungodliness and unrighteousness. In other words, Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. He was delivered up because of our offenses. He was brought before God's judgment because of our offenses. And so he carried our offenses upon himself as he was nailed on the cross. He was delivered up because of our offenses. Who gave him up? It was not just the Romans. It was not just the Jewish leaders. God gave him up and Christ gave of himself. We'll look at those scriptures as we move into the next session.
and build this out. But for now, this is what we're seeing, and it is very essential that we see the picture. Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses, not his, not anything else. The purpose for him being delivered up was specifically because of our offenses. Sin. Because of sin and sin's children, if you call it that. Sin entered, remember, through Adam. One man opened that door. Sin came in and spread to all men. Sin and death spread to all men. Again, if any of this um, does not really make sense to you, please make the time to listen to the previous sessions and then come back and let's continue together. Again, Jesus was delivered up because of our offenses. So what brought him before the court of judgment was that accusation. Man is unrighteous. Man is ungodly. Man is deserving of wrath. And he was condemned on our behalf. He took the penalty. So now we're forgiven. Look at the second part of verse 25 of Romans 4. This is so awesome. Let me read the entire verse together. He was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. Hallelujah. So Jesus rose from the dead, meaning the sacrifice was accepted, meaning the price was paid, meaning the wrath of God was appeased, all of those things together. So now God says, paid in full. Remember what Jesus said on the cross? It is finished. It is done. It is accomplished. The purpose for which he went on the cross was our unrighteousness. Now he's made peace. Now the price is paid. Now he can, for those who come into him and who accept that sacrifice, he can impute his righteousness upon us legally. Because the price has legally been paid. Now God is no longer unrighteous if he says, you, this individual, you are in Christ Jesus. That means your unrighteousness has been paid for. Your unrighteousness has been taken away. The righteousness of Christ has been imputed upon you. So the wrath of God is no longer coming upon you. Why would you not want to be in Christ? To start that journey, there's a lot more. There's no taking a step without stepping into Christ first. There's so much more that we can do. I keep saying, making reference to the race that is set before us. This is how it starts. So I'll throw out this invitation once more. I'll probably do it several times in the coming sessions, but I think this is an awesome opportunity to do this. If you've heard me, if the Holy Spirit is talking at your heart right now, do not harden your heart. Give your life to him. It'll be for your benefit in eternity and even right now. Stop trying to become righteous on your own. Righteousness is already available as a gift in Christ Jesus. 
And if you partner with him, you would see the outcome. Consider this. If anything happens, if the end of the world is today, if the end of your existence is near, have you considered where you're going? All of this starts with the belief that there is eternity according to what Bible teaches us according to that which God has even placed within us that we search for. You would want to be in Jesus in eternity. There is work to be done for those who are in Christ Jesus and who still have time and life. Why not join us? I know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to someone, so do not harden your heart. Give your life to him and the Holy Spirit will confirm that you are in Christ by filling you with himself. Lord, do it in the name of Jesus. Amen. I look forward to being together with you again in the next session as we continue to study. Please take the time before we get back together to go through the scriptures and the Lord will enlighten you even more. Praise God. Until we meet again. Bye-bye.